Diablo Bang. It's been a while, but let's raise these rusty knees. Please rise. <laughs> Be seated. Did you guys have a good night? Court. Court. Hey, back. Oh, now back I got now sash. I got now I got stained in my head. It's been a I while. <laughs> Me too. He said that, and I was like, "What were we just saying about? Like, yeah, we'll just do it really tight." Yeah, no, let's sing five bars of stained. Well, I I think that's good. Like, I think stained has literally, if they haven't yet, they should TM the phrase. It's been a while. They yeah. should, yeah. You, should, know, you should have to picture. sing it all the time. Speaking of. Stained, old stink face. Ooh, stainer. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't appreciate our comedy. Yeah, that was well. No, but that was Harvey George's stain face from the last episode. Yeah, turn no. that frown upside down, Harvey, because uh, this one's <laughs> nuts. <laughs> nuts. That's right. We are at episode fourteen. Entitled Nuts for Harry. Yeah, Nuts About Harry. Nuts About Harry. (laughs) Nuts for about. Good start. Good start. It's a good start. This was a fun fucking episode. It was was a a welcome reprieve, as they say. Oh, man. And uh, reprieve from so many things. From so many things. Um. Uh, let me let me get right into it. I have the description right here. It's uh, it's not too far off. It's when four. This we're still in eighty four. When four mm. mental patients are we eighty four eighty five eighty four eighty four. When four mental patients, including a young mute woman played by Kate Zantall, which doesn't really matter. Um, she was in <laughs> she was in Bachelor Party. I don't know. Maybe she was a, a stripper. Oh really? Or yeah. Um, oh, my God, you guys. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Did you do any research on any of the um, pinning it, any of the actors in this episode? I mean, I did for Sue Harper. Did you? The one I yeah. just told, Sue. Um, Sue, yeah. The mute woman. No. No, th- no. That that's was, not. That's Anne. That's Anne. Sue Harper oh, is the attorney. Sue Harper's the DA. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Um then you're in for a goddamn mind blowing. Oh, you're in for a treat. Well, I know. I I know one of them is famed actor of James Quar- Cromwell. Oh, James he's Cromwell. wonderful, absolutely. But one of them, you don't even know. You know. You know. You lucky gooses. All right. You what? lucky monkeys. Right. You we lucky monkeys. All right. A pin right it. I'll finish it. it. Um, Speaking of lucky monkeys. These uh these these mental patients, including the young w- mute woman, they escape from their psychiatric care. Oops! After opening, after appearing in court, Judge Harry Stone, as always, baby, coming to the rescue. But first, but first, we got to start it out in chambers. And how are we starting yeah. it out? Sea monkeys. Oh yeah, Harry looking longingly into a mason jar full of questionably murky liquid. Yeah, yeah. You know, I had sea monkeys as a uh I, I didn't have sea monkeys as a kid. So sea monkeys whatever they are, I think they're like brine shrimp, right? They are. Yeah, I actually did research on sea monkeys. All right, here nice. we go. Do you remember the crazy show Sea Monkeys? 
I do, yeah. That was a weird, weird show. Because it was show. like stop motion. I forget what part, what show it was part of, but it was like that claymation. And then when they did close-ups, it was like actors. Human, yes. It was so unsettling. And they were bright colors, right? Like bright blue, yeah. bright pink, like bright pink. yellow. Um, yeah. You did research on sea monkeys. I did the emo thing in high school and brought sea monkeys to a party one time, and then we drank them, man. Uh, <laughs> I guess it's better than snorting them off the toilet. Oh, God, I'm, so, I'm amazed that didn't happen. But then it was like one of those, you do so much stupid stuff in high school, so we drank some sea monkeys, and then uh, somebody like was like, don't do that, man, let's give them a proper burial. So, like, <laughs> exactly. So, we buried the jar of sea monkeys in a backyard. You just got so <laughs> much your... time in your hand and, and you're a youth. Uh, what what, it, what did you find out about sea monkeys, Ash? Well, sea monkeys were created in 1957. Oh, and obviously, the brine shrimp themselves we're weren't created. But the concept, and it was in response to the popularity of ant farms. Uh-huh. <laughs> what so a ant farms, ant farms, device those were. Ant farms were so popular that this guy was just like, "I got to get in on this," and so met with scientists to get the right amount of you know powder for the liquid that they could live in. And going back to the cartoon, the cartoon is based off of the original ads. And he decided the best way to market it was to market to kids, obviously. But where should you do that? Comic books. Not really TV commercials, yeah. comic, comic books. books. Yeah. So he hired a comic book illustrator Jack to do Kirby? all of Steve Ditko <laughs> to do all of the Sea Monkey ads. So not only were the ads in comic books, but there were, there were comic book comics. illustrated ads, which had the Sea Monkeys being human. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They show, you know, with yeah. faces and expressions and stuff like that. So they got a ton of complaints via letter um, because people didn't like that the brine shrimp don't look anything like as uh, they were little, advertised. Little Aquaman people. <laughs> these aren't, these ain't on. Aquaman. I remember being a little <laughs> disappointed. I don't know why. I always thought sea monkeys would be more like like human versions of those. Remember those like little capsule sponges that you get wet and they become huge oh yeah and they would turn into like a dinosaur Dinosaur? yeah i thought the sea monkey was like that like you put it in and it becomes like a little like gorgon or something you know like (laughs) i love that people were mad like these freeze-dried things don't look like they look like bugs yeah Yeah, exactly kid i wouldn't have known like and i didn't have sea monkeys but like i would have been pissed yeah. If I saw that ad, like, it's illegal to do that now. Like, there would have to be, like, a disclaimer at the bottom that that's not what they look like. I'm, I call, I, I call, I'm the one who got duped and was upset too, but now we're all, we're all a little older. So I'm calling bullshit on disclaimers. Like, I saw <laughs> a, I saw the, <laughs> I'm calling it out. I saw a, uh, um, like when you see at the bottom of a screen that says actor portrayal, you don't, right. you don't need it. You don't need it. If you get no one believes it, yeah, yeah, or anyone's real anymore. Well, I think it stems like in the eighties, which is funny because that's where Night Court's happening right now. But 
um, when you had like grocery store commercials. Do you remember grocery store commercials? Hmm, like yeah. with like specials and stuff. Oh, sh- oh yeah. Did they yeah. had those the in food- New York still, like Shoprite commercials and stuff. Yeah, like uh, with specials and deals, and they would show food, like for yeah. instance, like roasted turkey, and it would be plastic. So you th- yeah. you would think that you're looking at um, a real turkey that looks so you know succulent and exactly delicious. and then it's actually it's full of sea monkeys yeah it's a plastic <laughs> toy so that's now illegal or if you do something like that you have to say it so it's it's literally because of the extremes wait the actor portrayal type stuff were they really like snake oiling like you go to the store and say hey where's that deal on turkeys and they give you a plastic turkey no. They just give you a shitty look. They'd give you a regular turkey, but on the ad in the commercial, when you see this glistening golden turkey, it's like actually plastic. Turkey. Yeah, it lo- it's plastic because it reads better under the light. Of course, but these people, come on. <laughs> but like, uh, I, that still happens. Food Network, all that stuff. Like our friend Trish, her, well, it doesn't matter. She, she was dating a guy who's um, a chef. And she took photos for a for a cookbook he made, and there's a whole world of designs and tricks and glistens oh, yeah. and plastics and lacquers that that every photo you've seen for like McDonald's and stuff, yeah. it's like it's like falling. Oh, they down. do, they do like a McDonald's. Like there's like um, a video that shows them what they do, and it's just like putting the ketchup in in a syringe, like yeah, and on oh. the back of the burger, everything there's like cardboard it's put like, in between so it's stacked right yeah no absolutely but just like the burger is still the burger it may be tricked out yeah but it's still the actual meat and vegetables it's not a piece of plastic no, there was it's funny i hmm. was going around on facebook like a month ago and it, it fits into this conversation but it was just a little you know info blurb like did you know if you see ice cream on television it's just mashed, mashed potatoes. potatoes oh interesting gross and because it, like, it melts yeah it broke people's brains because they're like what whipped cream and chocolate on purple dash potatoes it just you know it's like telling someone santa claus isn't real like, did you know that for a while not anymore mcdonald's couldn't call their milkshake milkshakes oh, because yeah. they were made with potatoes they did yeah that's when they they shipped it to the shake yeah terminology oh yeah, oh, yeah. that's right isn't that from like like Ray Kroc was like saved like a ton of money because that was one of his biggest shifts is he's like we got to stop using dairy in the milkshakes because dairy yeah, doesn't yeah. keep and it costs a lot of money so once they shifted to like potato powder they were able to like keep the same consistency and ship it out and have like an unlimited shelf life so yeah like, basically yeah the you franchise the, could thrive yeah in the machine with cold water yeah it's sea monkeys. There are sea oh, monkeys. All dependent. No, but really quickly, I I don't want to sidetrack us anymore because we're trying to condense this. But it was just really funny to me. I didn't realize that sea monkeys were created in the 50s. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I find interesting is, number it had a, a boom in the 80s and it didn't say that this was all the rave. But I put it together. Ant farms kind of had a resurgence in the 80s. Oh, yeah. Sea monkeys mm. had a resurgence, mm-hmm. and guess what was created in the eighties? Flea market, pet flea, rocks, flea circuses, pet rocks, pet rock, yeah. Which was Inch a total right mm. now, like a, a like a kind of like a tickle me Elmo. These the mm. faux pets yeah. had a moment, 
And we're not beyond it. We're not beyond it. Yes, pet rocks were like, they're the rocks. People of the 80s are the rocks. But like, because they're so dim. But we have the the same stupid trends happen. We have fidget spinners. You know, 20 years from now, they're like, they had the fidget spinner. Yeah, makes total sense. But it's not this, everything's based on this faux pet. Yeah. yeah, like this easy pet. Like you can't have a dog. Guess what? You can have Get a chia pet. Yeah, it- exactly. Like all of this stuff was popular around the same thing. Like it, you you know, fidget spinners are kind of in its own right. Uh-huh. There isn't like a a cousin to a fidget spinner, right? Yeah, you but kids were, ant farms. I, I think yeah, kids were lonely in the eighties because eighties was had saw the surge of the acceptable divorce. So kids are like, I need a pet. I need a friend. I need a rock. I need a rock yeah. to lean on. Put googly eyes on it. <laughs> it's my only friend. I, I wanted a pet rock so badly. I want to call him dad. My parents said no. I got, got we had a dog, pet rock, but it. I don't think like my like anything. My dad was like, just draw a face on this wood plank. <laughs> like it's not even a rock. Lila made you. Dig mine your own. I really like the pet rock because they did it so well. They had it; it has its little crate, you know, with the little breathing holes in it, and it had a little straw in its bed. That's why I wanted it. Somebody needed to push that guy off a bridge, though, out of jealousy, because that guy was pet rocks tied to his. I bet I can sell somebody a goddamn rock in a box. That guy needs to stand next to the guy, bottled water guy, and they both need to be one in the head. Execution sign. <laughs> um, Home from a bridge. Nuts. I had, by the way, speaking of bottled water guy, really quickly, when I had company over, my old work friends, of like last week, a week and a half ago, they, I was like, oh, can I get you anything to drink? So on and so forth. And they asked for water and I gave them glasses with tap in it and they refused to drink it. Oof, they need to stand up on that and bridge Columbus. as well. I only got one <laughs> bullet left in the chamber for this episode. I know, how crazy it is. <laughs> and Columbus, like, for those that don't know, has really good water. It's not like we're in fucking Flint. Ooh, Flint. Go, go back what? to- What? You, you can't even dig Flint, because I was just going to say go back to Michigan. They're already That's in Michigan. That's not- <laughs> That's not spicy. No, it's, it's not. a fact. It, we have good water here. What's but wrong with sh- Flint's water? A lot. It's fire directly out of the faucet. <laughs> 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 uh, no, it, Flint's water is yeah. It's specifically like uh, baby b- brain melt. Um, <laughs> what I was trying to say is there's there's no reason outside of being 20s millennials spoiled right. and under the impression that all tap water Who is bad. would expect There's no water. reason to not. I don't know. If, I, if you offered me water, this I would be in a glass. Yeah. <laughs> I, all like, sitcoms, everybody drink, gets, everybody has a fridge full of bottled beverages. It's like bottled beverage money. That's not reality. That's TV. It's like Drink Seinfeld your tap and water. Snapple. It's true. Like the fridge is full of those Perrier's. Like, yeah. That's no just way. like staring at a mountain I mean, of gold. I, it's far cheaper than Perrier, but we always have LaCroix. Ooh. But that's canned. That ain't bottled. That's true. Is Matt LeBlanc living in your... I don't know. I went LaCroix, LeBlanc, we're talking friends, and I couldn't think of the word guest room. No, that was good. Let's put it together. I'm really glad that we're already deep into this episode. 
we do what we can. We do what we can. I don't. I don't even think we have said like the reference to sea monkeys, like as it pertains to the episode. No, we. So Harry's looking at a jug of sea monkeys, (laughs) and enter Mac, and Harry, of course, forces Mac's opinion immediately. Oh sure. So he's like, "Want to see something?" Yeah, yeah. Hey, Mac, and he goes, "Ooh, that's nice, sir." Because Harry seems particularly in one of his smitten jaunty episodes. Well, and I would like to say that I think it was last week, if not the week before that, that I said Mac was saying something with that affectation, the okay, sir, and I didn't think it, it made didn't sense. Work, right. To today's episode was a perfect example of that working incredibly yeah. well. Yeah, I agree. So it yeah, like when done right, Max uh-huh. Over the top, you know, placating is hilarious. It just cements him as the everyman, like, yeah. Especially in this episode, because it's like you're the swirling world of madness, and he's seemingly the only normal person. Well, yeah, and essentially too, it's like think of the people again that are watching it, and no one likes their boss, but they have to be nice to you know. You have yeah, to I- laugh at your boss's jokes. You have to. You know, be friendly with your boss. Like it's just perfect. It's very relatable. Well, then speaking of that, old Mister Dan Fielding sashays in, and he placates Harry like a champ. Oh yeah, plays him like a fiddle. Oh, that's great, sir. Sea monkeys. Ooh, they are. You know, like coming along. Well, doesn't he say like, "Ooh, great, uh, sea monkeys"? And then when Harry turns back to the sea monkeys, like, yeah. Doesn't uh, Larroquette turn to Mac and is like, "Am I right?" Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, so Dan leans down, looks into the mason jar, and goes, oh, Harry, and then stands up, and him and Mac have a moment where he goes over to Mac, and Mac whispers something. We don't uh, hear it, and okay, he goes, okay. those yeah. are some amazing sea monkeys. So he says it, and we assume that he knows what he's talking about but then you see that mac tells him and then he brings up sea monkeys so dan didn't know either good on mac for looking out it's collusion team effort he's harry demands a lot of energy so it's Agreed. like we gotta split their time oh, yeah work together we're all I see. yeah a lot of naps in that courthouse um god you know what i think we have entering next which because my only line is who the fuck is Sue Harper? Yeah. Right. I'm going to tell you. Please do. I I love her. She was yeah. a welcomed addition. Yep. I think they they Play did. It. They wrote her well. I think she played the jokes well, even though sometimes they were a little hacky. Mm-hmm. She did them incredibly well. I have no idea why Billy wasn't there. I don't care. Because that was Billy's body in that sea monkey jar. Oh, I do not. Just cut up her soul. Monkey pieces. But yeah, it was not addressed. Am I correct? Not no, she just at all. She breezed in, introduced herself, and just gave us all the information we need to know. She's got like from the j- job agency, like they sent her down to night court because they needed a defense a defense attorney. Now backstory. I am assuming, and I want your opinion. That they may have been at this point in time testing. Yeah, I almost auditioning. That's a great. Well, all right. I gotta. I, I'm gonna go off of what you said. I think. Um, here's my thoughts on it. One, 
Are are we goodbye? Is it goodbye, Billy? I didn't look ahead. I think so. I don't know. Okay. Two. If we are goodbye, Billy, I think the way she buzzed in so abruptly and without any mention of where's Billy is a purposeful fuck off to uh, Ellen Foley. Like, yeah. I feel like we got a Shelley Long situation where they're like, oh, you're not happy here or something's not, we're not filling your your needs. Okay. She, like, I feel like there, the conversation went like, like, then replace yeah. me. And they went, okay. And not She's only that, her, a, they did it in the most blunt, like, not only are we going to replace you, we're going to replace you in the next episode, well, like in the next shot. Right. Um, She's at her apartment in LA, nervously waiting, like, so, hey, <laughs> didn't get the script this week. Just uh, checking in. Maybe she like Let George Costanza, you know, like stood her ground and then like showed back up on the set and they're like, what are you doing here? She's like, I was kidding. <laughs> Who's that? She looks nice. Um. So, yeah. And the, then my question about the auditioning thing is, would they really like, is it that like sort of the process where they were like, let's just audition in an episode. Let's write in an episode as opposed to having a casting situation with multiple people. Well, here, here's, and, and no, this would, today, I don't think that would be able to happen. Um, but what I know from uh, just research randomly, they wanted Marky Post for this Ellen Foley season. Oh. Marky, Marky Post was going to be cast, which is why they put her in the show that one episode. But she was in another show. It wasn't popular, but contractually, she couldn't get out of it. She wanted to as well. They were setting up for her, Marky Post, to have already been doing it all season. She oh. couldn't get out of the show. I forget the name of it. Um, she couldn't break contract. So they cast someone else, which ended up being Ellen Foley. Now, I'm assuming around this time, because we're getting to the tail end of the season, which means um, close to Upfronts. Oh, so, well, I'm, well, Upfronts are in the spring. What I'm assuming is that Marky Post show got canceled already. Oh, I think, they That they knew by now that by next season, she would have the job. That's what I'm assuming, and I think if it's not auditioning actresses and it's for Marky Post, then it's testing out character stuff, like jokes, like yeah. personalities, so they can get a one a jump start essentially mm-hmm. on what they need to write for in the following season. Because I don't, everything was different than you know you don't have blogs every week that mm-hmm. are dissecting each right. episode but i'm assuming that they knew that there was just something that wasn't working with ellen foley god I, they should have yeah i should hope so we knew like it. yeah like i i don't see how that wasn't you know pretty yeah. much general knowledge at that time and i will say that uh the care sue like you know, wasn't that different than uh, Ellen Foley's character of Billy? Like she, she just delivered the the lines better. Like the tone yeah. of the like, she's a go getter, like no nonsense, like was gonna thrust herself into every situation. It's just th- this actress is uh, just does pulls it off a little better. Yeah, she's just um, she's not as um, is affect the right word, Ashley? She's not as affected, or she just. 
she's not trying so hard, man. That's what it felt it's, like. And yeah. she doesn't have to because she's just, that's it. You can tell when people try too hard. There's a guy on TV, a YouTuber named Sunday. He's like one of these PewDiePie guys. And my Sunday. nephews were watching it yesterday. And this guy gets over 100,000 likes every five minutes. And all he does is his wife throws YouTube clips on it. And he, the goal is not to laugh. It's called like not to break. But what he does is like the YouTube clips aren't particularly funny enough. Like I've seen funny YouTube clips, but he'll just watch it straight faced. And then after it's done, he'll go, oh, that was funny. And he's just like, oh, my God, like because it's a fake thing. Like he's just like he's he's kowtowing and it makes you it makes me. It makes me. We need that tension of so is he gonna mad. laugh? Is he not gonna laugh? <sighs> I love. <laughs> I think the difference. I think the difference between Sue Harper and Billy is that Billy is, in terms of performance by the actresses, Billy's a caricature. Sue Harper, yeah, is a lawyer. True. That's true. But you have Sue Harper is also not a lawyer. She's an actress. Did you do a little? Digging on old, old. I only IMDb'd her because yeah. I knew I recognized her from somewhere, and it was used cars. Mm-hmm. Oh, all right. What is she in used cars? Is she Curtis? She's Barbara Fuchs. She's the daughter. She's the main, the main character. Okay, all right. She owns the lot. Yeah. I'm not. A, I'm not a hundred percent familiar with used the cars. Is, does is Robin Williams in that? Of cars. As a, no, as Kurt a Russell. failing football player. Kurt Russell. No, that's a. Fuck, that's east, not eastbound and down. But I know the one you're talking about. The, I always got those the two movies. Small you know what? town. They play the big game and over Robert again. Williams right, the nerd and Kurt Russell's to like hard luck football star, and they replay the like homecoming game as adults. Forget it. Yeah, yeah. Sounds stupid. Big. Used Cars is really great. I yeah, highly it is, recommend yeah. it. Well, I watched that movie my whole life thinking that was Used Cars, so I'm gonna have to go back and watch it. Cool, I got some joy work. I love it. Um, it's 80s body for you. Yeah. And she was the mom in the the ABC show Just the Ten of Us. That was the mom, huh? Yeah. Oh. What's a good podcast name for a Just the Ten of Us show, uh, watching show? <laughs> I don't pin it, pin it, pin it, pin it. <laughs> we'll get back to it. We're, we're off. I, I, I'm, I don't particularly think that... Uh, I think that shows all Billy episodes... Um. Yeah. All right. So we got her coming in, and then sure enough, she she acclimates herself. She says, "Here's what she's mm-hmm. here to do. I'm here. I'm down to business. Let's. I. You know." And then she introduces herself to Dan Fielding, thinking he's the judge. He oh, goes, "Oh yeah. no, no. Um, I'm not the judge." Points to Harry Stone, and she just goes, "Doesn't she say something like the one holding the jar?" As if that's the weirdest thing in the world. I got to say that line is like, they're trying to make Harry seem overly weird. They don't have to try that hard. I will say, in her defense, Harry has the dopiest, derfy look on. Yeah. Like, so whether she knows that it's sea monkeys or not, which, how could she? So it's just a, it's almost a little bit even weirder Mm -hmm. when she doesn't know they're sea monkeys. What if you walked in and the the derfy looking guy is, is looking at water? Right, right. Uh, and then it, uh, we transition, and after they're introduced, Harry is concerned about his other packet of sea monkeys. Like, that oh, yeah. upset me, because it was like, 
now it's time for business. You had your break and they're literally like, let's go to court. And what's the purpose of like, I, I hate to say that I wrote down too spicy that I wrote down. I think Harry has Asperger's because like, <laughs> what's the rush in making another batch of sea monkeys? You're heading to the bench. It doesn't. You got matter. lives to save. You got to be judicious. I think it's hair splitting hairs, but I, I do think <laughs> that. Yeah. No, no, but I, I totally understand and agree with you. Like, I, you know, it's, it's for the whole joke that Bull eats it. That's the, that's right. the setup. <laughs> but, but no, if you really start to dissect it, you're just like, Jesus Christ, Harry, you're still a fucking judge. You can be a quirky one, but you still have to do the job. Oh, that was the saddest vignette for me. Just picturing Bull yeah. getting like a, his nice big soup mug, opening <laughs> oh, the package, yeah. going to the coffee station and getting out of the hot water nozzle and just like- Get a cup of cuppa. Tastes a little gamey to me. <laughs> <laughs> He's got like sea monkeys in his teeth. Ugh. God. Well, yeah, his bathroom that- must have smelled horrible the next day. <laughs> Both that brings me back. always smells horrible. Hans, you mentioned that you ate them because I I literally thought to myself, I was like, oh, I'll have a discussion with the boys. I'm sure it just passes through you. But like what? I mean, it's weird. Like there's brine shrimp. They taste like a lake. They taste like Watertown, South Dakota smell. Okay. So we have it from the the Hans's mouth. Uh Straight from the the bull's mouth. Straight from, yeah, Dr. Toilet, seventh grade. You gotta get. You gotta do something to attract the ladies. Uh, <laughs> Listening to Dookie, yeah, drinking. <laughs> drinking. Look at the C-Bone. fringe on my jeans. <laughs> um. <laughs> then we're at the intro. We're at the credits. It's only been a half hour. <laughs> um, cre- intro. Boom, 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 boom. And then we really get into it, baby. Uh, I think we come right back into court. Yeah, it's the first case. Oh, and it's the only case. Almost, yeah, the only thing that matters. It is. It's... Uh, Bull brings in the, the defendants, and they are just this yammering crew, perfectly cast to be, like, the loons of New York. Oh my goodness, they did a great job, um, too. Character actors, like, you recognize from everything. We mentioned... James Cromwell is one of them. Would you even consider him a character actor? At this time, probably, yeah, but now he's just James Cromwell, right? No, I guess he's a character. He doesn't carry his own movies, does he? He can carry his weight. That's not what I'm saying, but... Oh, right, like a James Cromwell vehicle? Yeah, yeah, I guess you don't really see that. I'm just trying to... I don't want to minimize him, because when I first saw him, I went, "Here's, here's here's the... Can we say that he drove Babe? Oh yeah. yeah, here's the here's the like the uh, I guess this is a positive thing or here's the sign of like a really good actor is I saw him enter into night court and I went James Cromwell's doing night court, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Like I like this was a step down. This is a great show. Like I, I but I was surprised. But and he was wonderful. So yeah. you got James Cromwell and then you got a guy named I, I took some notes. I did some looking up. You got a guy named Ray Burke. It's like he's the guy who's like very paranoid all the time. He thinks there's yeah. alien listening devices around. Yeah. Uh he's very funny, very very funny. I know him as anyone, anyone. He's the uh the music teacher from Coach that uh the shtick oh. between him and Hayden Fox is always that he's gay. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> what a great gag, Coach. And ret- I was thinking that, like, I had to do like the the like the connections, like the Kevin Bacon. I was like, he's from Coach. I watch Coach all the time. He and Hayden Fox, played by Craig Nee Nelson, didn't get along. Why they get along? I was like, oh my god, the whole premise of their relationship was like gay bashing this poor guy. <laughs> Go, hey, where's your wife? But, <laughs> um, guys, and then like the sweetest character in the world, played by yeah. a guy named Kevin Peter Hall. He's a very tall African American man, so tall that we get our first bit. Where yeah. he's even towering over uh, Bull, where he says, after you, little fella. And we can see, uh-oh, there's going to be some tension here. Because no one's taller than Bull. Did you, no one. Did you recognize this actor? He looked very familiar. No, but, but he did fucking fantastic. Wonderful. Do you think you're not recognizing him because he's not standing next to uh, John Larroquette? No, excuse me, not John Larroquette, John Lithgow? Is he Harry? He's fucking Harry from Harry and the Hendersons. Shut up. Oh, yeah. So I looked that up as talking 80s or maybe Harry and the Hendersons, definitely 80s. One of my all time favorite movies. So I'm looking him up and I'm like, you this this is going to take a turn. I look him? him up and from the highest of highs, I see that this gentleman, Wendell is his name on the show, plays Harry from Harry and the Henderson. And then to the lowest of lows, when I see that he died in 1991 at the age of 35 from dunt, dunt, dunt. He got fucking HIV from a blood transfusion. (gasps) Oh, my God. Yeah. He's one of those guys when that shit used to happen. Oh, God. When you paused, I was like, how bad is it going to be? Like, that's... That's 35. That wasn't long after this. Harry... Died from of AIDS. AIDS. So just change that Scotty Pippen shitty uh, graffiti in the bathroom stall to Harry Henderson has AIDS. <laughs> oh, man. oh, man. That Harry, I would never have. Yeah, I guess why would you have thought? But but at the same time, the actor, Kevin Peter Hall, exudes such a level of kindness and love. Yeah. And empathy so good. that you're like, of course he played Harry. Like, I can just totally see it. I don't know why. Like, it was like, that guy, like, emanates pure goodness. And he's very funny. Oh, no. For them to play that, like, because they're always beating that drum of, like, Bull is tall. Bull's a monster. Everyone thinks Bull is mean. Yeah. For them to cast a guy that's bigger than him, and not to be spicy, but, like, a larger African-American guy. Yeah. And for yeah. him to play, like you said, like the kindest, like just, it, yeah, you're right. The energy from him, there was nothing threatening about him when he should on paper be the most threatening man on the planet. Cause he's like seven, seven foot tall. Yeah. Uh, six, he's actually like six, nine. Or no, he was six nine when he got out of high school. He grew from like six foot to six nine in one in one in in one high school year, which is some crazy growth spurt stuff. I also got to say this has like that classic one flew over the cuckoo's nest feel, which also Wendell kind of takes the that trope, which I think is like based on that. Who who wrote that? Um, Ken Kesey, I think. Ken Kesey. Based yeah. on the Ken Kesey model, that's what you see now as like a lot of like 
basis for mentally ill sure, situations. Yeah. And this one is like, he's like the Native American. He's chief, you know? Yeah. Um. Anyway, so they enter. So we have the old crew entering. Wendell. And there's a little lady with from Coach. Yeah. Oh, sorry. From Coach <laughs> and... So, no, to go back to your sort of like Ken Kesey tropes, it's yeah. kind of like the Justice League of mentally. So you have a very kind. It suit. looked like Space Jam. Yeah. Like, never Wendell. Never saw it. Never saw it. Should be menacing, <gasps> but he's kind. You've never seen Space Jam? Brendan Fraser just mm, can never do it for me. I don't it's mind okay. Encino I've Man. I've never seen Harry and the Hendersons. What? Oh, my God. Trade I had to off. Google it. Oh, yeah. You've never seen Casey. I'm raising my daughter in a no Sasquatch home. Oh, my God. (laughs) This is horrible. No Lithgow home, you mean. (laughs) No cliffhanger for you, Harvey. So there's a cute little woman who's mute, and none of them know she talks. James Cromwell has the affectation. He has multiple personalities, and one of them is represented by his hand, which is constantly fighting with his hand. to do. You see that a lot. There was a play, I was going to say famous, but a contemporary Broadway play called Hand to God. And this actor, he, uh, he plays, he wants to be a puppeteer, but his hand becomes possessed by the devil. And it is some of the most brilliant, uh, singular acting ever. And Cromwell does it. Like, that shit is tough not to look just stupid as hell and cheesy because it is so cheesy. But there were right. times... Where Cromwell had choices, where the camera was just doing a pan over, and he was having his hand have a silent conversation with other people. Yeah, yeah. Which is he so was funny. talking. He was talking to Sue a lot because she was. They did a good job. Sue was kind of sub vocalizing, like going over notes in yeah. her head, like you know. So she was moving her mouth, and so, uh, oh, what was the hand's name? Gilbert. That might, so, uh, yeah. Yeah, the hands character's name was Gilbert. And so Gilbert was mimicking her and just mouthing it and not speaking because yeah. it was just so vocalizing. It was really, really funny. Uh, yeah. So then we have like Cromwell, and then there's uh, the neurotic, as you mentioned, Hans, that there's alien devices in the water and everything. In his pants. And, oh, yeah. <laughs> that guy was looking for a blowjob. Uh, <laughs> a gay one. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> Um, so yeah, that's the crew, and uh, we get into the case, and we get one of my favorite additions to the gallows in quite some time. Cab driver? Yeah, the New Yorkiest. Oh, he was New good. Yorkiest of all New York. He was good. Cab driver. His name was like Mr. Beauvoir, right? I leaned over to Ashley, and I, I was know, like, I, yeah. didn't, I didn't know Brian Quinn's dad did a night course. God, thank you so <laughs> much. I had the exact same, exact same note. I went, oh, there's BQ. Um, um, so the cab driver is hilarious because he is doing great New, New York accent, and he's just shouting, hey, they made me take him from the west side to the east side. Back down to, to the UN. UN. Down to the Battery Park. Then back here again. A mix between Q and Vincent D'Onofrio. Yes. That's hysterical. That's exactly what the guy looked like. God, you guys are on the same wavelength. Uh, yeah, and the shouting, I was like, I was like, wow, what an interesting like uh, bit. Like, let's just have yeah. him shout. But that's that's perfect. Like, that's what I joke, think yeah. of. 
When it's I such a New Yorker cabbie. thing, yeah. Because Judge Harry's like, no need for yelling. He's like, I ain't yelling. This is my voice. Yeah, live with it. Um, um And then but- he has a great gag because then <laughs> Cromwell gets chippy with him. It's the hand. Cromwell's trying to keep the hand quiet. And the guy just goes, that like, hand is lying, <laughs> Judge. <laughs> mm. Which I, was a great line. I just thought it was hilarious. that. And I thought you would like the line because the hand responds like, Shut it, Melonhead! And I was like, Melonhead? There was like another like head. Grapefruit face. Grapefruit face. There's, a, there's somebody that has a fruit insult uh, <laughs> in the writing room, like yeah. uh, fetish. We're going to get like, well, I think, banana balls next. I think Melonhead has been used previously as well. Oh my God, he's dipping from the same fruit basket? I feel like I've heard Melonhead. On yeah, it was before. the the crazy whiz computer kid called Dan Melonhead. All right. Ooh. Have you ever, ever in life, real life, not night court life, heard Melonhead as an insult? Yeah. You have? Yeah. From like back in the day, not not yesterday. Did you grow up in Candyland? I grew up in a house without Harry and the Hendersons. <laughs> yeah, a weird with and and no pet rock. No wonder. No, and no, I didn't get together. a pet rock. I wanted my goddamn pet together. rock. You didn't have any friends. No monkeys. No rocks. No sea monkeys. Oh, tied together. Sea monkeys. Harry yeah. and the Henderson. All right, we got something going on here. I'm coming up with a thesis. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, the cab uh, driver's great. Their 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 back and forth is great. Oh, yeah, I have the note, because we find out, so they're brought to the court because they stiffed the cab driver on this crazy fare, but we come to find out is they were doing it for a reason, they weren't just joyriding, they were looking to take their list of complaints against the mental health care provider yeah. that they have, and I thought it was a great, just little gag. It was written on dirty toilet paper. So like it was funny. Ratty, ratty toilet paper. Toilet. I got a question for you guys. Might be able to answer this. Not because you have mental problems, but because you guys are more aware of things than me. When you have... So there's the part in... You guys have both seen One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, right? Of course. Yeah. Yeah, if yeah. listeners out there haven't seen it, you got to see it. I think that's you a given. But it. one of the characters in there, uh, like the uptight one, I forget his name. He's checked oh. in there voluntarily, whereas other people are sentenced there. And yes. it appears that these people, as we'll find out later, are checked into this mental hospital voluntarily because what Seems happens if they get so, their yeah. if they get their wishes, their demands, they this place will go out of business and then they will be institutionalized. So how yes. does how does it work? Like, can I go right now, check myself into a mental institution, and take a break, and then leave yes. whenever I want? No, uh, no, you you cannot leave whenever you want. To my knowledge, right. it's it's it, well, and sometimes that may be absolutely possible. To my knowledge, you can absolutely voluntarily check yourself in, yeah. but there is an evaluation process, and you sign forms and so on and so forth. 
And if you're, you haven't received the treatment that you requested or asked for or whatever, I don't think you can leave. So you can, oh yeah. All right. That, that makes sense. Cause I couldn't quite figure it out. That's that makes that all make sense. That is the scariest thing ever. That's, that's my opinion. I don't know that for a fact. That's how I gauged it. And it seems like that makes sense for this show too. That sounds right. And that's why they hated the guy in Cuckoo's Nest that checked himself in. Because he had like a beautiful wife that wanted him home, right? But he didn't want to leave because he was so neurotic, and that's why everybody was like, "You can get the fuck out of here." I do believe that in some cases you are able to check yourself out. I just think it depends on a treatment plan that is agreed upon prior to you, yeah. like actually entering the facility. And it's probably much more because of because- litigation and stuff. It's softened. Now. How, and how I think think of it is like a Betty Ford clinic. Like yeah. sometimes you can, if you're just mm-hmm. like, you know what, fuck it, you can just leave on your own reconnaissance. Yeah. And sometimes you are not allowed to check yourself out regardless of who checks you in. Yeah. Well, yeah, and you, you have yeah. to essentially check yourself in to a clinic like that. I got, but that you can't sense. always, you can't always leave. I think it, it's dependent upon whatever is 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 agreed between you and the doctor so yeah these guys are at more of like a betty ford yeah it makes sense we we watch over you and not like sentenced to arkham asylum yeah i was gonna so for all you out there who had the same dreams as me where i've been like god a good month in a mental hospital just sounds great (laughs) you get my head together and then you know pack my suitcase back up and head on home (laughs) see that's see if i didn't know this i'd head on in and they'd be like "Uh uh-huh you're never leaving. I, I know. <laughs> You'd be like, okay. From the, from the third ward. I mean, oh my God, you would become Harry and they would be Mac. They'd be like, yes, Hans. I don't know. This is a great idea. But that's the thing. I feel like if they catch you. It's not it, club fucking med. If they catch like a normie in there, you oh, don't leave. Rip you apart. They never let you leave. I think the normies uh, are the ones that have it the worst. Yeah, because you- Because they know that they're stuck in there. There's a great study that was done. I don't know if it was UCLA. I think that was uh, like the a, a prison experiment. There was a there was a study where these grad students, to make this, to this wonderful, to use the word thesis or study again, as their final project, they faked being in- Oh, no. It was part of- They were with their guards. professor- what, who was it? it would, they were they volunteered. They drew straws for prison guards and I prisoners. Don't, no, no, no. That's ah! oh, get out of here! Did you get a bite? Was no, it the, the cat? cat. The yeah, cat jumped on me. Oh, there was a. Uh, <laughs> are you okay? I no, I couldn't bat him away because I'm holding the baby. Did you squeeze the baby? <gasps> God, no. Um, I, that's why I screamed. I'm sorry. I'm trying to get you to admit squeezing the baby so you can end up in one of these mental hospitals and see how we see how it goes. Or inside lady. Uh, no, th- I know the one you're thinking of. That's 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 where I was going, but it's not. There's a different one, which is which is just as in, not to, to use a lack of a better word, insane, where these grad students and their professor faked being insane to get themselves intaked into a mental hospital. The problem is. Once you go they on, baby. said, go no, we're all here together for a, uh, this is actually a <laughs> funny thing. This is a final project. They were like, yeah, sure you sure. are. <laughs> and they couldn't get out for like four weeks until they, because they wouldn't let them, they guy. wouldn't let them use the phone. How that's ama- so They put oh, them on crazy. like Thorazine and stuff. See, that's what would, like, once you're on the meds, in the med, then you, 
then you're, they got you. Yeah. I've seen 12 monkeys. I oh, know what man. happens. Uh, that- okay, so I have to backtrack us really quickly because yeah. I researched something very interesting. So when we're talking about melon heads. Oh, yeah. boy. Okay. Do you think. Oh, my God. No. Spicy? It's not spicy. Like, <laughs> I was under the assumption that it's just like, hey, cantaloupe, like like fruit head. It means a big so, head. I researched it, and there's a reason that it's probably more familiar to me being from Ohio and not to you guys being from South Dakota. Well, that's why you gasped. Melon heads is a name given to legendary beans and urban legends in parts of Michigan, Ohio, and Connecticut, generally described as small humanoids with bulbous heads. Monsters? <laughs> I gotta go. You gotta see this picture. It was theorized in the 1970s that they occasionally emerge from hiding places to attack people. Different variations of the legend attribute attrib- attribute different origins. They look like sloth from Goonies. What stoner boner came up with that in <laughs> detention? Whoa, gross butthead! <laughs> <laughs> It's the mask. From- a, that's like a, so, the, that's so much more intricate. I thought you were going to say it was something did you crack racist it? or something. Uh, yeah. Wow. Melon heads. That's a new comic yeah. idea. No, it's, so, like, so it's that's- like a chud. Chud monster. Melon yeah. Heads. What so- a great idea for a horror movie. You guys got to come out to South Carolina and we got to shoot a horror movie. Melon head. Return of the melon head. Yeah, just man. Melon head. Got plenty of room out here. <laughs> Get some practical effects. Hans is like, I have my own half of a house. Oh yeah, <laughs> I've actually been working on my own melon head. <laughs> I literally do. I have, I have my office, a bathroom that connects. I think they're called like John and Jane doors. Like I can walk through my bathroom. Oh into, yeah, it's not a Another, bedroom, but just into a yeah. floor I sleep on. Yeah, um, <laughs> <laughs> I think Hans has a melon head. I might be. I live in the woods. You come out every now and the again. The men in the white coats are coming, Hans. They're on their way. And he's scratching himself. He won't stop itching himself. <laughs> I got, uh, I, I didn't take care of a tattoo I got, right? So what I did is I accidentally fell asleep with the wrap on it. And like a Petri dish, what that does is an open sore that and a hot temperature under saran wrap is the perfect temperature for like um, a uh, Ebola bacteria to grow. So what happened is I did that, and then I, what I did is I compensated by covering it in ointment, so I uh, drowned it, essentially. You're supposed to let it breathe more than I did. So what happened is it was almost healed, and then, like, goddamn sword in the stone, that witch or something, like, all of a sudden, boop, 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 little white pimples popped up all around it. Oh, God. So I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to lose my arm. But what really <laughs> happened is I just got, like, a rash because I, I – and so now it itches. And I can't put ointment on it because I got to like dry it out like I'm 14 again in high school with, you know, whatever that Clearasil shit you put on your face. Anyways, um, so yeah, I'm itching myself. I'm feeling anxious. I'm all bit, bug bit up like crazy already. That's going to be the number one thing that I'm going to have to like figure out like some kind of Zen thing because I'm, I have no constitution for. Oh, like, like bug bites, like I can't bite, yeah. get. Once I notice one, I cannot get it out of my head. Well, and there I got welts when I was down there this yeah. summer. Like yeah. I welted. Those bugs don't mess around down south. Yeah, the summer's crazy. Now it's like it's weird because it's perfect. It's seventy degrees. The weather's beautiful, but there still are bugs. Not really where I'm at it so much, but definitely when we go out, I go out to visit Jesse and Andrea. So. Sure. 
I gotta just be. I gotta be conscious of it. God, I, I need to stop prefacing episodes with "Let's stay on topic, straight <laughs> and narrow." Because you're cool. talking to your own hand, and it's <laughs> okay. We're gonna keep this tight. Yeah, no, we're not. I don't think so, Melonhead. What's the history of Melonhead? <laughs> Let's look it up. Okay, but before you look it up, have you ever seen Harry and the Andersons? Shut up! Shut up! Did you know he died of AIDS? What? 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 Am I the annoying hand? <laughs> no, that's not you. I'm literally. You've never seen used cars. You just... you just cast me as the annoying hand. No, what I didn't. That's voice. in your own head. That's projection. That's in your own hand. Let's look it up. <laughs> you are now. <laughs> Get out of your hand, Mr. Hand. <laughs> All right. Um, that hand's lying, Judge. Yeah, thank you. That's put us, that put us back um, on track. So, uh, uh, yeah, the next note I have is after seeing this and like Dan interacting with these people, he decides to like they have their list of demands where this is all coming into the open. He decides to drop the case. Like the city of New York is going to drop the case against these um, for. Uh, they feel sorry for him for these four. Yeah. I don't know the word mental patients, but real quick, like, also just it's just a setup because you see it later. Wendell really takes a liking to Dan. Yes. So yes. Wendell really likes Dan, and Dan doesn't really admit it, but they have like a really nice relationship. Like there's a really funny quick bit actually where he's like, "What's your name?" And Dan's like, "Dan." Can you say Dan? And then non sequiturly, the judge is like, Dan. He's like, good job. It was just like a quick, like, uh, slapsticky bit. Not slapsticky bit, but like vaudeville a bit. So that'll come back because Wendell, Wendell's got a, uh, got a gay boner for Dan. Um, yeah. In the non And then we have way. another f- a funny Mac moment uh, after he decides to drop it. Sue wants to pursue the case because she wants the the state to crack down on this right place uh and then mac and harry are having a little aside talking at the bench and harry has a line where he's like insanity's relative <laughs> and mac's like i swear i saw them swim sir. oh yeah I swear. That's right <laughs> so good oh and you find out you find out a little bit more about mac's vietnam life there's some oh, frag yeah. fra- fra- excuse me fragging going on in vietnam with mac it's like, oh god, we need like a Garth Ennis style backstory of what happened to Mac and Nam. For real, yeah. That was a really spicy joke, by the way. Oh yeah, he like thought he was a robot. <laughs> like it was just it's, now he's an officer. That was spicy. Was that spicy against? No, against the war. Like he's just like, oh man, I you oh. know I was with a soldier and he went crazy, sir. Just start thought he was a robot and started running around going kill, kill, kill. Here he goes, what'd they do? And they were like, promoted him to officer. I was like, oh, snap. Max taking it to the war. He's still taking Spicy. it to Nixon. <laughs> Spicy. <laughs> Who is he, Walter Mondale? <laughs> Did you say Walter Matthau? <laughs> Walter Mondale. <laughs> oh, oh, Walt Mondale. How I miss you. Um, so then we meet the guy who runs the facility. And he's a, your classic sniveling. Pencil pusher douche. Yeah, Dr. Uh, Lawrence Osborne. Real prick. Uh, so he comes in to them. take them. They just, Sue wants to pursue the case, but Harry decides that they're better off home. So the doc leads them out. And uh, a few seconds later, like they're about to move on. He runs back in and he's like, they've escaped. They've stolen my bag. 
so Harry's like, so what? Who cares? What's in your bag? And he's like, eh, stethoscope, blood pressure thing, paperwork, <laughs> my gun. Yeah. <laughs> my revolver. Uh, so, yeah, the the mental patients are now on the loose in night court with a loaded revolver. I love it because they were like, quick, get that. This is this is literally I have two words written at this point in the episode. I just said, yeah, exclamation point episode exclamation point because they're like Mm -hmm. quick get security on the phone what should i tell him tell him there's four mental patients on the loose with a bag full of drugs and a revolver and then dan's like wait i gotta listen to this on the other line yeah yeah Yeah. that's so funny they're Uh, all wearing pajamas oh yeah pajamas uh so then we go to commercial we come back they enter harry's chambers and we end up finding wendell again hiding behind the door that in real life as sweet as Wendell is, would be very yeah. disconcerting. <laughs> so he Wendell very cutely like opens his one eye to see if people are looking, and he's like, "I'm hiding." And then good old Mac is like, "You're inside. Not enough cloud cover to hide." Oh yeah. <laughs> and then they we fight. Everyone's coming back together, and our uh, band of kooks. They're slowly. Proving they're too crazy to hide from the law. Yeah, they're all making their way back to Chambers, and it so happens that the last one left is is Anne, Anne and Anne happens to also have the doctor's bag. Right, and we don't see her. No. No. She's in a broom closet, we find yes. out, because a uh, gay guy from Coach <laughs> comes in <laughs> and, and, and gives us the exposition that she's in a broom yeah. closet. To which Harry, what's that? No, I was just gonna say, really, cis Dane paraded. Yeah, <laughs> cis day, cis day, like cisgender. Cis- yeah. yeah. Oh, you cis woke, you woke motherfucker, you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what's worse that I'm calling him gay or that I'm revealing that he was in coach. Boom. <laughs> oh. Sitcom Take day that. parade. <laughs> Uh, that last part. That you out. also just implied that being gay was bad. No, I didn't. <laughs> or comparable. I can say that I'm gay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you said gay people were the coach of genders. <laughs> oh, no. but that could be good or bad. I watched Coach. I want. All right. I was just gonna say, dare me. Remember, yeah, that kid says, dare me to dare do it. Me. No. uh... I want to go to the, uh, uh, I want to go to the, what is it called? Gay Day Parade? What is it? The Pride Parade. <laughs> Gay Day. <laughs> so, I really just couldn't think of it. Which it is. I mean, we're, you're laughing as though the premise of gay is bad, and we all know that's not true, but I want to go to the. No, I'm laughing at seeing you squirm. <laughs> yeah. I want to go to the Pride Parade with a shirt that said, gay people are the coach of genders. And see with a picture of Hayden Fox, and I want to see if I get positive or negative responses. What but do you think I did? I yeah, think but people, gay people would fucking is it love a gender? It. Oh yeah. Well, <laughs> the sec- coach of sexualities. Well, well. So I mean, I know that's not a gender. Gay gay people is the coach of oh s- s- sexes sexualities. L-G-T-B-B-Q-Q-I-C for coach. Are we adding coach? Nice. Coach fans. What are you? I'm CF. What is that? I'm a coach fan. Coach fan. Oh, man. You got a long road to tow. 
you lesbian gay or questioning? No, I'm a seat, the coach fan. I'm a coach fan. Thanks for opening the doors for us, gays. But we gotta, we gotta get our own bathrooms. <laughs> Doctor Toilet CF. <laughs> oh my God! Yeah, that's my yeah. That's the best. Doctor Toilet CF coach fan. I am. I love Coach Dauber. That the gay music teacher, Dick Van Dyke's brother, the gay music teacher. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's the other thing you need. It's just like a a coat shirt that just lists the cast of characters as you know, as you know them, as you can remember them. Coach's coach's wife, I think, who had a hit song. All right, all right. Uh, so uh, Anne's in the closet. Okay. Oh no! <laughs> but Anne's in the closet. This is. Uh, did you? Did any of you guys have a? Here's where my thesis goes. For the rest of the nine seasons, H- Harry's a ghost. This is the sixth sense issue because what really would have happened as Harry charged into a dark broom closet with a mental patient with a loaded revolver pointed at the door is he would have gotten shot in the stomach and bled out. Yes. My sixth, I leaned over, sixth sense. <laughs> I leaned over to Ashley and went, this in my fan fiction is where Harry gets shot in the face. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that I guess that they was... did a good job of building the tension. It, no, it was set up very well because Harry goes to the broom closet and it's like a battalion of New York's finest. Like oh, yeah. it looks like, a you know, like a diehard movie with all these 80s co- New York cops outside the door. So Harry goes in. Uh, the, the cop has gives him some sort of shitty one liner like. Um, so Harry goes in and it was well like done. It was a creepy broom closet like oh yeah for a horror movie and it had my favorite gag of the whole episode because harry walks in and he's trying to like chat to Anne, like try to yeah. to get close to her oh, trying to yes okay um so he nervously is like oh <laughs> he's just like grabbing stuff and like nervously making jokes and uh, he pretends like he has a microphone and he makes a joke about ripping out his tongue but then he couldn't taste anything <laughs> it cuts back to Anne, and she just slowly yes. cocks the gun. I that. <laughs> and he goes, not funny, huh? I was like, that's the funniest. Because it was a really long shot, and she just slowly took her time. Well, and she's got the cutest little bug eyes she does, that yeah. she just had. Like, she did a very good job. This, uh, yeah, that was, I remember thinking that too. It was very Looney Tunes-esque. Like, yeah, you tried right. your hardest, and you think you got coming through, the, just that blank face, and then... Okay. <laughs> okay. I think I'm this is where I'm dying. Uh then it has like this like such an interesting story. I would imagine it's true mm-hmm. where he's trying to still convince her like trying to make her laugh and he tells this story about PT Barnum and the exit mm-hmm. story about how yeah. people PT Barnum was having trouble clearing out his shows so more paying customers could come in. So finally he painted a big sign that said this way to the egress. And it was pointing to the next room and how egress is actually Latin for exit. So it was all like just a big play. I was like, oh, that's actually pretty. Somebody somebody had their morning coffee in the writing room because that was that was funny and touching. It's Barry the Melonhead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this way to the Melonhead. 
This way to the gay uh, parade. <laughs> the gay day. Uh, so we find out Harry, we find out that they actually have sensible demands. Harry yep. actually read the list. And there's some kooky ones on there like hot air balloon rides and uh, salad, embalming, bar. And salad bar, embalming classes. But all in all, they it's, it's you know. Cur- wasn't it like curtains on the toilet stalls or something? Well, yeah, it. No this curtains. <laughs> no curtains in between the beds for privacy. Oh my yeah. god! So if I check myself into a mental institution, I don't even get a, my own room. I, oh no! <laughs> do you? Do you? If you have to, if that would, that's the deal breaker. Like I could not in just a room full of cots. Ooh, that's why I'm gonna have so much trouble now. at the men's shelter. He has. He, <laughs> You've lived in suburbia for less than a day, and you're like, well, I need my space. I need a wall. I need at least three rooms and a bathroom in between them. Well, th- like, there's so many places, like, yeah, like, are you telling me, I, I don't know why I'm going back to toilet stalls, shower stalls, like, when I went, all the schools I went to had just open showers. That's insane oh. to me. Like, that's insane when all you need to do is hang a curtain. Right? Oh, I see what you're saying. Like, yeah, girls just those... have private showers. Got you know. Got not only did my high school not have private showers, they just had a big old stalk in the center of the, sh- in the oh, yeah. shower yeah. room with just multiple showers spitting out on it. Oh yeah, like Stranger ass Things, ass. like what yeah. we just watched. No, in in my school, oh, yeah, the yeah. boys' locker room was like that, but girls have are individual stalls. Wait, are you getting a peep in there? She's a coach fan. Jesus, Ashley, the coach fan. CF. <laughs> Uh, no, actually, I went to an all-boys school, so there used to not be girls' locker rooms. Ashley got her own classroom. We're slowly finding out that Ashley's life is rife for an 80s sitcom. <laughs> <laughs> what's that? What's, what, uh, what's that movie? Where, I want my bedrock! <laughs> what's that movie where she, like, pretends to be a guy? Just one of the guys? Just one of the guys, Ash. She went undercover. It's not bad. And then the cute, hunky nerd fell in love with the babe. Oh, yeah. She just had to play the best friend. He but thought remember he was going to have to brother? go to the gay day parade. <laughs> <laughs> the weirdest part about that movie was the horny brother who just openly, it was openly accepted that he just had full spread pornography that all over just, his room. There's semen everywhere in that room. <laughs> I just don't know when there was a time where that was acceptable because all writing comes out of truth. And there's a lot of 80s trope where it's like the scummy brother wallpapers his room in like gaping butthole shots. And you're just like, yeah, that's Aww. Tony. He's just a little horny. It's like, no, <laughs> it's like, no. that's what serial killers do. Like, just stop it. Op- and, and it's just like you open up his notebook and it just re- reads like sex, 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 sex. It's like there that's needs to Tony. Be a- He's horny. A liberal amount of shame. Like, I'm not saying you should... <laughs> Yeah. Be shamed into not who you are, but like you can't hang hustler pages on your wall. Yeah, stick to like the you know the Ferrari pictures and stuff, which I guess uh, are not. Uh, used to be able to. I think the hashtag me hashtag me too movement has eighty six sexy babe posters in WalMarts. Oh, no more. I would imagine, right? You can't stand no up to that kind of pressure. Speaking All right, are we, are we on topic or are we off? Uh, we're back in, so everybody's <laughs> back in chambers, and the scummy owner of the institution doesn't want to cave 
to the demands, but they make a point like, yeah. uh, and they slowly win him over by singing Battle Hymn of the Republic. Ashley! I loved that moment. I thought that was so good. Sue wants them to keep fighting, keep fighting for their rights. And the scummy owner, scummy doctor, wins them over by just giving them more TV time. So they're about to cave for more TV time, but then we get a little battle hymn of the the Republic, and it steadies their resolve. They decide that they're going to stand up to this guy. But he then threatens, like, as you mentioned earlier, oh, if you guys do this, I'm going to close my doors and send you one of those crooked homes. Oh, I know. You can bother me for a glass of shut the hell up. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Still, Ben Stiller's best role. You don't know it. Um, yeah, man, that doctor's a scumbag. Uh, so, and they're lucky I wasn't with him because a little more TV time. Just give me a, oh yeah, give me a, hang a curtain on my shower and give me a, some coach on the TV. Come on. <laughs> well, my first thought was before we found out it was a smaller facility is like, I thought this guy was going to like, we're going to close it down because during Reagan's administration, they oh, shut right. and emptied oh, so many absolutely. institutions that I thought that's where they were going to go with this, that these guys were at risk of literally becoming crazy street people, because yeah, that's where they all went, or send them to Cropsy for a week, and then Geraldo shuts it exactly. down. Exactly. Yeah, let's not forget, since we're in 1984, and since it seems to be, and I'm guilty of it too, like, not hindsight's 2020, but once time passes, you people seem to get a pass, like... Let's not forget Reagan, like, fucking ruined people's lives. You literally, yeah. literally still see the effects of what Ronald Reagan did in the mid-80s in New York City today. The same people still. that are on the streets, some of the same people on the streets today in New York City are only there because they got kicked out of a home, like, a decent place for their illness. Uh, and a lot of them were, were veterans. like Exactly. Mac. Like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's uh, fucked up. So I thought they were going to go there with that, but they didn't. So they they decide to see eye to eye, and they're going to go back to the institution. And the doctor's going to give them some of the things they want, and it seems like it's all going to end well. Mm-hmm. And then as they're leaving, uh, Anne writes a note for Harry. And I made the joke, oh, God, it's going to be your phone number. <laughs> yeah, right. Hashtag but it was me even too. better... Because then the whole crew comes around and they're like, what did she write? And Harry's response is, I don't know. I can't read it. Literally. He just goes, I guess she hasn't written much in 20 years either. <laughs> Which is such a funny joke that I didn't yeah, see them going, yeah. right? I didn't it's actually Well, especially because everybody loves Harry. Like, yeah. So every episode we get a, oh, and now the chick fell in love with sure. Harry. And yep. so it was it was really quite a nice reprieve from that of like, oh, nailed it. Landed mm-hmm. that joke, Anderson. Well, I think that, yeah, it was good. I think they would. It was even a little too much where they're like, now he's fucking preying on a, this poor woman in a in a in a mental hospital. But I, the, the layers of that is so good because you could have easily had the touching moment there yeah. where she wrote, wrote something. She hasn't talked. And then Harry's like, 
like you know like oh it says something sweet right like she can communicate but instead it's so funny because it's just a squiggle line as it probably should have been i thought it was gonna be like the nun again i thought he was gonna like trick her with a joke and then she'd like respond to the like knock knock who's there but i love that they stuck to their guns yeah and did this at like this episode was great in that regard because it subverted all of my yeah, yeah, expectations. Yeah. So I guess we can get to that part. He gets to know we go to commercial, we come back, and Dan's in the cafeteria. Up comes Wendell, looking good, man, out of the pajamas. Good, yeah. Got a members only jacket on, looking swag. Nice pair of slacks. Yeah. So he and uh he and uh, uh Cromwell show up and they look great. They're cleaned up, they're wearing nice clothes. And they come to say hello to Dan, and Gilbert they or Gilbert. Oh yeah, tied shut. oh that's right. Oh, Gilbert I didn't has notice his mouth that. Tied shut. So they, you know, let Dan know they're doing good. Things are better at the home. And Dan's like, "Okay, great. What are you doing here?" And then they both sit down on either side of him, like, "We're here to visit you, old buddy." <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so these two crazy people just sit and stare at Dan in the cafeteria, <clears throat> and then we cut back to. Sad Harry playing taps for Billy and his sea monkeys on his squeeze box oh, yeah, accordion. His accordion. Yeah, um, and then he gets a ring on the phone. He picks it up, and we don't hear who it is. And he's like, "Yeah, hello. Yeah, this is Harry. Yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to hear a joke. I'm in the mood for a joke." And goes on, and he laughs. And then we cut to uh, a phone bank in the night court, and we see that it's Anne. She hangs up, gives a sleek little smile, and then walks away. And it was really, really cute. Really sweet. I got to tell you, I am a big sucker for uh, sweet and sour. Or No, is that right? Sweet and sour? Yeah, sour would be the funny, right? I I love like a little little sentimental moment. So like the dum, da dum, da dum, and then like that moment. And even the egress line, I was like, wow, this is layered with some like touching stuff. I loved it. Because and also, it wasn't over the top. What's that? It wasn't over the top sentimentality. No, no it wasn't I thought over they the were going to go. And they didn't even go over the top with like uh, how they portrayed the people that were mentally ill. No, they you didn't know what I mean? make them too they, crazy. They, and they They're didn't quirky. make them like like aggressive or mean crazy. They made them like as like they gave them pretty normal affectations, actually. Yeah. Well, and Harry made the joke, the ridiculous requests were made by Gilbert, which is the hand. Oh, right. Oh, yeah. See? Yeah. So all of the requests that the actual, in not inmates, but the patients. actual patients, patients made were very reasonable. The only weird ones were the hands one. True. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the gay coach had a little few, but. Um, <laughs> oh, gay coach. Uh, that's it. I love, oh man, I love this episode, episode. Yeah, gavel banging out. I'm gonna go eight. Mm, Nice. Yeah. I say eight, I maybe even nine. Did you give it crazy eights? Oh, I'm going crazy eight. Crazy eight. Uh, I'm giving it a, I'm giving it a nine. Nice. This is a good episode. This is my second favorite episode. Next to Santa? Yep. Yep, this one's wow. snuggled right underneath it. I think it's because I was such a fan of. I got yeah. I like I said, there's so many moments in here. Uh, wait, didn't wasn't there a Michael J. Fox line in the Santa episode where he called him something too, like a yeah, something fruit related? Head. I think. Yeah, like T 
tangerines. Uh, yeah, no, but it was totally like a <laughs> strawberry odd... face. Yeah, something Ooh, like that. That's spicy. Oh, strawberry you are, face? You are a coach fan. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Just kidding. Strawberry face, it's against Guatemalans. Um, <laughs> you didn't know that? Come on. Cut to Hans, just itching. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's starting to heat up through the window here. I haven't turned the fan on. Uh, 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 nine gavel bangs. What else? Yeah. Do we miss anything? I don't think no, so. No, I think so. Clay taps for Harry Henderson. <laughs> Harry, can so who's going to be the first to write? Harry Henderson has AIDS on a bridge. <laughs> <laughs> See, at the moment I leave New York, I get the greatest idea for graffiti of all time. I can't are, write are, that shit here. Are Harry, we Harry's an institution in Charleston. <laughs> Harry Henderson has Gump AIDS. will not be pleased. Oh, hey no. Gump, I got some news for you. <laughs> Gump lived through the 80s. He probably knew Harry. Don't tell him that. He's going to rip out of his hand skin. <laughs> He'll be wrenching his fists so much. <gasps> Not Harry Henderson. Is that the t- is that too? Because I love that guy so much. Is that too spicy to title the episode Harry Henderson has AIDS? Yeah. Is it? Because it's a real eye catcher. <laughs> <laughs> I got to tell you that. For the wrong type of thing. I guess. And they'll think you misspelled Anderson. So it'll be like... <laughs> Okay, so that's it. Harry Anderson has AIDS. <laughs> we'll just call it gay. Call it as it. Call we. Call we as it sees it. Gay Day Parade. Hey, yeah, Harry Henderson. Harry Henderson. The- Harry Henderson, gay coach and a gay day parade. Harry Henderson, gay coach and the gay day. Gay coach is the best gender. There it is. <laughs> do you know? Do you know all these shitty sitcoms? I know we gotta go, but do you know all these shitty sitcoms now because of Roseanne and stuff? Like I'm seeing little oh. snippets on TMZ where all these people who have let's be honest, like some sitcoms, like even any even a great sitcom, like you just live your thing, you do a great piece of work, and you kind of let it go. But yeah. our generation, and it's us, mm-hmm. is so talk mm-hmm. about nostalgia is so attached mm-hmm. to the things we loved growing up. We need it back. We need it. We need it. We need it. Yeah. So give me Roseanne. So now all these people I saw an interview with um uh Craig T. Nelson where they're like, What's this we hear about a coach reunion? Oh god, no you way. You had to no feel the fucking like, are you kidding me? You think I'm gonna go shoot coach with all these scumbags that I haven't seen in twenty years, like I'm just saying. Uh, speaking of which, TMZ, maybe it was like a month or so ago. It just never came up in conversation for this. It wasn't pertinent, but I saw Richard Mole. Oh, yeah. We and we're like, hey, oh, what would you do with a night court reunion? And he was like, I wouldn't ever, you couldn't fucking pay me to do it. You could pay him so little to do it. <laughs> <laughs> He's big talk then until that medium-sized check comes in. <laughs> exactly. Oh, man. And he can restain his deck with his night court money. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, I think that's a good place to end it. Yeah. <laughs> he would do so little. <laughs> All right. Well, night is long and full of weirdos. Have a good night. Have a good night, court! <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs>
Da-dum, 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 there it was. Case 27 in the books. Welcome back, us. Welcome back, you. Uh, it's good to be back. It's good to be back with a regular episode, and it's good to have climbed out of that billy hole. <laughs> She's coming back for us like the the Borgen, the Bill Organ, the Billy Dogs. Uh, oh, spicy? That's not what I meant. Anyway, uh, if you like the podcast, definitely go back and listen to other episodes, get caught up on the show, uh, download, rate, review, share the... Ep- Man, if you share the idea, the concept of the episodes and get more people watching the show, that would be so much fun. Um, also, we have another podcast, kind of our main podcast, where it's not so laser-focused, as you could tell here, called Jerk Practice, and we have a blog for that at jerkpractice.com, and we also just talk about this podcast and others uh, on our Facebook page, at Jerk Practice Pod. I think that's about it, so have a good night, Court, and enjoy the rest of your day. Also, enjoy this clip that's probably gonna relate to what I see. da dum dum da dum Night Court.